Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word. Thankful that you have revealed yourself. You have not left us without your word so that we are flailing and trying to figure out a way to you. You've made it very clear who you are and what you expect of us, what you have done through your son, Jesus Christ. And so we pray that you would help us to see you again freshly this morning as we open your word, both in this hour and the hour to follow. And we pray that uh, the result would be that, that our spirits would be enlivened and that we would be ready to serve you and to respond with worship and obedience. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we are in the uh, third week of this class called Life as a Believer. And uh, we, we come to the topic now of listening to God. So let's review before we get into the topic for this week. And um, so who can recall the two images in week one that demonstrated our condition apart from Christ? Titus 3, Ephesians 2, what were the two images that we highlighted there? Dead. All right, there's one of your blanks. You can put a corpse in there or dead. And then the other one was slavery or, or enslavement. We are slaves to before we came to Christ, apart from Christ, we are slaves to sin and we are dead in our sin. And then we also saw that salvation from first to last is a work of God, right? He who began a good work in you will continue it or perform it until the day of Christ. And we also discussed how the fact that, that God is the author and finisher of our salvation and, th- and that idea should humble us. It should give us great confidence and assurance of our salvation and it should motivate us to glorify Him with our lives. So we first looked at the idea of what God has done for us, that He has done the work of salvation in us. And then last time we looked at this uh, second class, Living by God's Way, and we saw that the purpose of our salvation is to please God. That God didn't save us just to rescue us from hell, that's part of it, but, but He also saved us so that we would do good works, right? Um, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, Ephesians 2.10. And not only has He made us to do that, but, but He's enabled us to do that by giving us a new nature. A new nature. So the purpose of our salvation is to please Him. In order to please Him, He's given us a new nature. And this new nature is dead to sin and alive to God. So that takes care of the problem of our deadness, right? We were dead to God and alive to sin. We were enslaved to sin. And the power of the Spirit working in us through salvation initially pulls us out of that, takes us away from the penalty and the power of that sin and so that through the, throughout the remainder of our lives we are being transformed, being changed so that we are eliminating sin and being changed into the image of Christ. Today we're going to look at Psalm 19. So why don't we turn there spend most of our time here. Psalm number 19. See how God communicates to us. And so the the topic or the theme for today is listening to God. And implied in that topic are two basic truths. Number one, God speaks. And number two, we listen. 
So God is the, the one who speaks, and we are the one who listens. So we're going to, to look at that here in the text. God's going to speak to us in two different ways, and then um, the, at the end of the psalm talks about our responsibility or our response to God's speaking. And I think this is important, whether you're a new Christian or you've been a Christian for a long time, because we, we can't forget how God communicates to us. Okay? He doesn't communicate in a still, small voice. He doesn't communicate through signs in the clouds. We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, the primary way that He speaks to us as Christians, the primary way that we hear from Him is through His Word. And, uh, and so we need to be uh, aware of that and, and be listening to Him. C.S. Lewis says about this psalm you have there in your handout, I take this psalm, Psalm 19, to be the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. And um, so let's dive into the text here by reading the first section of the psalm, verses 1 through 6. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them He has placed a tent for the sun, which is is as a bridegroom coming out of His chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens, and its circuit to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. So, looking at these first six verses, how does God speak to us? And the first fundamental way that we ought to recognize that God speaks to us is through His creation. The, the psalmist is saying there is a general way in which God speaks to us he starts out the psalm by saying that the heavens declare the glory of God. So that when we look at the heavens or the skies, we see the beauty, we see the, the, the sunrise, or we see the stars at night. And all this wonder that we see points us to the fact that there is a glorious God. And notice the unique actions ascribed to the heavens there in verse 2. Day to day, the heavens pour forth speech. They pour forth speech. They're constantly talking. And it's this this constant voice that it has that, that God exists. Creation speaks loudly and clearly. And it goes on to say, you know, it's it's like a bridegroom coming out kind of the morning of his wedding, right? Who, who's going to keep a bridegroom quiet when he's coming out of his tent? the morning of, the, of his wedding. He's going to tell everybody what's going on, right? That's the nature of God's revelation in creation, that, that it can't be ignored. Notice in verse 6, it's like the rising. Um, it, it, its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end, and nothing is hidden from its heat. Maybe the best example of, of God's clarity in his general revelation is, is the sun that the sun powerfully comes up and no one can deny that the sun exists. It's there. We feel its effects, right? We, we recognize that its heat is what gives us life. It, it, it produces in us. It keeps us alive. Without it, we would, be, um, we would not be able to exist. And so that's the way the, the nature of God's revelation is. It is 
powerful, it is obvious, and no one can, de- can deny it. So what is it that the heavens tell us? I mean, if the heavens are declaring, if they're, if they're loudly speaking, verse 2, then what are they saying to us? And very basically, they're saying that there is a creator. There's your first blank on the second page. There is a creator. So the psalmist looks up, sees the beauty of, he- of the heavens, and it leads him to one conclusion, that there is a creator, and this that we enjoy is his handiwork. And from Romans 1, we know that, that, that this creation is a, a clue to the fact that God exists. Would someone read Romans 1, verses 18 through 20? Raise your hand so I know you're going there. Phil, thank you. Romans 1, 18 to 20. Paul here is saying, listen, there's no one that can deny that God exists. Every single person knows that God exists. And Romans 1 makes that clear. So listen to Romans 1, 18 to 20. Alright, so His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen be- through what has been made so that someone who's never heard about Jesus still knows that God exists, right? That's why it says at the end of the verse, they are without excuse, which is why God can righteously, justly condemn, condemn them to an eternal hell because they do know that God exists. And, and so, um, it's clear to all. It's impossible for someone to live in such a way um, that God doesn't exist. They, 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 if, if they ignore that, then they will be judged for that. Matthew Henry says, uh, speaking of the heavens, he says, all people may hear these natural, immortal preachers speak to them in their own tongue the wonderful works of God. So it doesn't matter which language you speak, uh, God, God's creation speaks in that language that God exists. Uh, it tells very clearly that there is a Creator. And so we have no excuse of being ignorant about Him. We have no excuse for our wickedness. Uh, John Piper in his book, The Pleasures of God, says, it's clear that there's one main message creation has to communicate to human beings, namely the glory of God, which is consistent with verse 1 here in our text. Not primarily the glory of creation. Creation is glorious, and unbelievers acknowledge that all the time. They are amazed by powerful waterfalls or great mountains or things like that, but, but, but namely, the glory of that creation is pointing to a glory of something greater than it, and that is the glory of its maker. And then Piper goes on to compare the glory of creation with the glory of God, saying that for us to love the creation to the exclusion of loving God is like a man being in love with his wedding band to the exclusion of his wife. Right? There's something wrong and perverse about someone who says, No, I don't have time for you. Right? I'm I'm spending time polishing this and make sure, you know, I, I don't have time for you. 
And, and that's the way it is when we look at creation and, and ignore the God of the creation. The, the creation points to something that is greater. It's that relationship that the husband and wife have in, in that illustration. So through creation, God speaks to us and tells us that He, he exists, that He is the creator, that He has dis- disclosed His power and character through His creation, and that it's plain for all to see. No one can deny it. And so instead of worshiping the creation, we need to be like David who sees this as a means to, to see God's glory. So let's talk about some things that creation points us to. We already said that it tells us that there is a creator. What else does it tell us about God? Um, let's uh, keep your place here and turn over to Isaiah 40. Look at a couple passages here. 